is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412 and go check out our pin tweet on X, as well as some of the links that we have in the description of the show on YouTube and on the listening platforms. That first link that you're going to see is year six of Rocket Around the 412. Over the past five years, we've been able to raise over $25,000 with the help of everybody that's donated to be able to provide Christmas for children in our local 724 and 412 area codes. We'd love to be able to continue to do so so if you want to go check out that link read about the mission and help help out if you can if you can donate that is fantastic if not don't feel bad just leave a like or or, sh- or share the missions so any everybody can get their eyes on it as well also i didn't mention it we partnered with the east rochester salvation army uh, last year we're going to continue to do so and adopt kids off of their angel tree and basically do the same thing that we're doing for the other children as well just providing christmas in every way we can for them also while you're there there is going to be a facebook link and an etsy link for everything custom designs Halloween has passed, but that means it is November 1st as we're recording this, so apparently it's officially Christmas season. There is another uh, holiday in between, so our friend Haley Wagner, she produces everything custom designs. She, she can do customized clothing. My mom's bought some. Smitty's bought some. Uh, you can get anything you want from her except for hats, apparently, but as I mentioned, you can get some Chris, or Christmas clothing. Um, it's it's basically Christmas time now that is November 1st, but if you do want something for Thanksgiving, you can get a uh, customized apron from her. And I, like I said last week, if you really want to get a jump on things for next Halloween, then you can get a customized <laughs> trick-or-treat bag in advance for a year from now. But yeah, go check out her. She, if you want to support a local small business um, and help her out, that'd be awesome. She pretty, makes some pretty good stuff. And like I said, no hats. Also, interesting hat Smitty's wearing. Is that a Justin mm-hmm. Bieber hat? I don't think so. Speak to your small businesses. I actually bought it from a small business. I have this, the smiley face is the black one, and then there's a white one that has just like a lightning bolt on it. If you remember, it's like okay. reflective. You couldn't tell there was yeah. a logo on it. So right. I don't believe that it is. Well, anything no, I only say that because two years ago, my wife Kennedy dressed up as Justin Bieber for Halloween um, with okay. some of her friends. And I guess like he wears clothing that has a smiley face on it a lot. It kind of reminded me. Do you remember like the Walmart stickers when we were kids? Like the mm-hmm. yellow stickers you could get at Walmart, kind of reminded me yeah. of that. So it just it just looked like it. So that's that's the only reason I ask. That's one way to uh, come into the show. There talking about Justin Bieber, uh, November first year is flying by as it seemingly always does during football season. And uh, let's jump into some football talk. Let's not keep the people waiting anymore. We got two games really to talk about here. Um, let's go backwards first and talk about this game against Jacksonville mentioned, you know, it was going to be a good benchmark to see where this team was at. Jacksonville is a top, you know, five to seven team, I think in the NFL, one of the better offenses, but they're playing really good on the defensive side of the football too. Did that again on Sunday. I said, I didn't think like a loss in this game was necessarily a death sentence to the season. Um, you know, as long as the team showed up to play, I, I feel like, I saw what I needed to from the defense, you know, big play aside from Travis Etienne. They forced three turnovers. I thought they played well. Um, I thought they looked like, you know, they've obviously been a little bit of a roller coaster this year. I thought they looked more like the team that we've seen at home, creating turnovers, getting pressure. And I didn't feel bad about what they did on the defensive side of the football in this game. Now on the offensive side of the football, 
didn't continue to take steps forward like we thought that we were maybe seeing carrying over from that fourth quarter against the Rams. Um, it looked like they went backwards. You know, the offensive line was not good. Kenny was not good. Early drop from Deontay Johnson just kind of sets the tone in a bad way for the offense. Um, Jalen Warren leads the team in rushing yards with 19 in the game. I mean, not able to establish any type of offensive rhythm in this game. And I'll be honest, going back, watching it, I, don't get me wrong. I am not caping for the guy. I want like to make this vehemently clear. I do not think Matt Canada should be the offensive coordinator of this team. I would have not brought him back going into the season. I still want him to be gone after the season. On Sunday, he was not the issue. Going back and watching, there were plays out there to be made left and right. Kenny Pickett, you know, that touchdown where it looks like he was upset. I don't know if at himself or at Deontay for not just stopping and sitting in the end zone when he had some soft, a soft space, but Connor Hayward, perfect pick play. He hits Deontay on that. It's, it's an easy six and we're, you know, we can stop talking about the Deontay Johnson scoreless touchdownless streak. And we got seven points on the board uh, right before halftime, maybe go into half with a lead, but it doesn't happen. And, and Kenny was very bad in this football game and he gets hurt again, you know, takes it. And we can talk about the officiating too, but um, Kenny takes a, a very hard hit in this game to the ribs. Um, one thing you can't question is his toughness. He's going to be out there again on Thursday, no injury designation, but uh, yeah, just a really bad football game from this offense. I, I don't know if there's a positive takeaway for me on the offensive side, the, the one sign of life right before halftime where it looks like they might go get seven on that drive, but have to settle for three to me was Deontay Johnson, you know, converting four first downs alone on that drive. But I don't know where you're at with it, but I just, everything that we, that this team established offensively in that Rams game took one step forward, about five steps back, in my opinion. I agree. I, I think that the offense as a whole was pretty bad. And I, I want, I was going to bring it up if you did it and you did. I don't think that Matt Canada was the issue on Sunday. I, the, Early on, it was pretty clear that the execution was not there from the Steelers in all facets. I mean, uh, whether that was I, I don't want to cut you off, but how excited would we have been that first again, that deep shot to Deontay Johnson, the very first play of the game? They could have been at midfield off the first play, 40 plus yards on that strike. Yeah. And we're talking about, hey, Matt Canada opening things up on the opening script. So, yeah, right out of the gate, I thought it was a differently called game. Yeah, I, I, I thought that when I watched this game, I wasn't questioning the play calling. I wasn't questioning anything that really had to do with Matt Canada. More so, it was just the execution of the guys on the field. It was the execution of the the blocking schemes from the offensive line. I thought they had a, a pretty big step back from what we showed in Los Angeles. And I thought that Kenny regressed as well. Um, and, and granted, it, it was a freaking uh, – were you at the game? You were at that game, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Was it like just – I think court? it looked – I think it looked, the rain looked a lot worse on TV than it was there. Like it was like a light mist basically the entire time, but it was definitely it, consistent. It looked like it was basically pouring yeah. for all of the. First I think, half. yeah, I think it's the direction the rain was coming right across the camera. Like I, 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 yeah, I think it looked a lot worse on TV than what it felt like there. Okay, well, I mean, regardless, it's still a wet game, and yeah. but despite that, Kenny did not look good. And even the receivers, like we said, like Deontay Johnson, it's unfortunate and he had some good spots in this game, but right away he he starts the game off with a drop. Um and, and, and that's an and unfortunate the second one on the same one, drive. And, yeah, second one on the same drive. Um of course there are going to be some plays, like you mentioned, that one drive where Deontay Johnson had several first downs, and then of course the George Pickett's touchdown. 
Uh, it was really just funny how it seemed like almost the defenders hit each other off of George Pickens. Um, <laughs> but yeah. regardless, I, I think that overall the offensive effort was just really bad on Sunday. Um, it was it was a huge step back. And don't get me wrong, I I, I said it on last week's show that I was undervaluing the Jaguars' defense. I still don't think that they are an amazing defense. Like from what I saw on Sunday, I don't I don't see anything that was spectacular from them. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that Josh Allen is an amazing player. I think they have good, some good individual players, but I don't see anything from them that I, I saw on Sunday that I was just like, man, the, this the, the Steelers' offense is not going to do anything against this defense. I didn't see that. I saw the Steelers' offense just shooting themselves in the foot like they do so often and just not executing to the best of their ability. I think that if the Steelers can execute better, I'm not saying that they necessarily win the game, but it doesn't feel like they're out of it the entire time. Cause I don't know about you and obviously you're at the game. So the vibes are a little different, but like, Mm -hmm. it just seemed like once, once the Jaguars got ahead by like two scores, it was like almost just like Uh, we're in a hole and we're not going to be able to get out of it. The ETN one was the dagger on that long touchdown pass. But even before that, and this is where maybe we can kind of start to transition it towards, I, I, you know, that I'm not somebody that's like a blame the ref guy, horribly officiated game. But when this game goes into halftime, nine, three, instead of nine, six, I thought it was over at that point, to be honest with you, just because I felt like the vibes were so low and like, you know, you can't harp on that situation, but visibly the guys were like very put off by the officiating in this game. Deontay Johnson talked about it afterwards. I don't know how no one besides me seemingly caught Chris Boswell going up to every single official that he could saying something to them. Um, I've since found out what that was. I, I'm not going to share that on here, but he, I, like, I was like, did this, did I actually, cause I started to question if I was seeing what I was seeing because nobody else had put out anything on X. So he definitely did go up to every single official including the head official and said something to him Broderick Jones actually had to restrain him like come and grab him to get him back into the locker room for halftime um but the officiating in this game man especially right before half they really screwed up that situation not calling the hit that Kenny gets hurt on is an extra 15 yards right there um that you know the run the quarterback run where they take 10 seconds off because they had to bring out the sticks for a half yard difference and they called it a fumble out of bounds when Kenny is clearly already has one foot out of bounds when the ball gets knocked out of his hands. And then the the offsides on Sayamalo on a, on a field goal attempt, which Mike Pereira put out there, who's, you know, a, a roles analyst, used to be the, the head of officiating for the NFL, really good official for a long time in the NFL, said, yeah, that's not what that role is for. That's for the, you know, the tush-push plays. Uh-huh. That has... That is never called on an extra point or field goal, and it screwed the Steelers out of three points right before halftime, which maybe you know, fl- who knows how things go at that point. It, it could have flipped the momentum. But either way, I, I'm not – the Steelers didn't play good enough in this football game to completely complain about the refs, but I, I just think it's part of a larger issue in terms of the officiating the NFL. So I'm not even just talking about this one game. But when you have week-to-week where the officials are just taking up so much of the time in a football game, throwing flags and you know getting things wrong like this is back-to-back weeks now you go back to the rams game you know we love puka nakua on this show by rule that was not a catch and they still rolled it a catch even after reviewing it i had to convince my cousin 
Yeah, I, I, was, I was with my cousin over did the you weekend. Pull up the roll, did you pull up the roll book or something? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pull up the roll book, but I I, I mentioned it. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I referenced it. I yeah. basically was explained that that was not a toe tap, uh, that, that that was more or less. And I actually did a it, it was almost like uh, remember when I did my whole uh, technique with the with the DB and I, I got yeah. up physically. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. like that. I was like, this is a toe tap. When you're up on your toes, you're falling forward. Now, if you d- do a catch and you catch on your toes, and then your heels plant and they're out of bounds. That's not a catch. That's a basically what that catch was. It was. Yeah, 100%. So by roll, that was not a catch. And now we go back-to-back weeks where I feel like the official, officials were just really bad. And not to say that they didn't miss calls or give calls to the Steelers that shouldn't have been there too, but they just had too large of a role well, in this game You know what's me. telling and, and to me is, is that fans are always going to fan, right? So fans mm-hmm. are always going to be questioning officials regardless of whether the call is right or wrong. Fans will always fan, especially they're going to complain about it on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. But I think that whenever you've got people on the staff and players after a game mentioning the officiating or officiating, knowing that they're going to be fined for it. Like if you because it's pretty much well documented, like if you openly criticize officials, you're going to get a fine from the NFL. Mm -hmm. So knowing that they are they're going to get fined for it. They're still like, yeah, those calls were trash. The officiating was awful in this game. I feel like that's pretty telling because you're always going to get that side from a fan. You're always going to get the the negativity around officiating from the from the fan perspective. But from the player perspective, the coach perspective, you don't always get that. Even if they think it, they, you're not always mm-hmm. going to get it. But uh, this one was bad enough, and maybe it was just built up where um, over weeks and weeks of like poor officiating calls – and then this was just like the damn breaking point. Um, this this is where the dam broke, and the they had enough, and the players were were willing to speak out about it because of how bad it was and how much it affected this game specifically. Yeah, to be honest with you, though, Deontay Johnson's comments, I don't totally agree with. I do think the officiating was bad. I don't think that they wanted the Jaguars to win this game, though. I just think the officiating is bad. They but to bad even say something like that is yeah. just proving my point. Like no, yeah, I wasn't disagreeing with your point. I was just yeah referencing his yeah. To say something like that to that extreme is just proving what I'm saying. Like to for them to say something along those lines is such an extreme for a player that you know you're going to get slapped with like a fifty thousand dollar fine when you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I want going kind of backwards now because I mentioned the hit on Kenny that took him out of the game, and then Mitch had to come in. Being at the stadium, I felt like we were going to have one of those situations again, you know, like Tampa Bay, where Mitch came in, played really well. Um, I just because I feel like those are the situations that he kind of thrives in is coming off the bench. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get that. You know, he wasn't able to move the ball either. We've talked a lot about how there's a lot of similarities, you know, between the 20s, at least, or for the larger portions of games between Trubisky and Pickett. The one difference is I don't think Kenny turns the football over in the situations that Mitch was turning the football over in. And, you know, that's kind of the backbreaker there. You feel like the Steelers, maybe they got a little bit of momentum. You know, they force another turnover. And then Mitch gives it right back, throwing to Allen Robinson, of all people, in triple coverage. You know, that's just, again, that's something I just don't think Kenny does that in that situation. Um, So, to me, that is the one clear difference between the two that I see. You know, a lot of the same, you know, physical strengths and weaknesses. But... We know Kenny plays his best football in the fourth quarter down the stretch, and he won't have those mistakes 
Mitch Trubisky made the big mistake in this game that gave the Steelers really no chance to come back. Yeah, I I was hoping for it because immediately whenever it was determined that um, Mitch was going to come back in, because I don't know what it was like um, being in the stadium, but I know at least on the TV they showed Kenny warming up with Mitch to basically playing like soft toss, like throwing the ball back and forth. Yeah, well, um, it was put out that he was probable to come back in. Like, yeah, Kenny, it was, and, and, and then yeah. whenever they take take the field on offense, it's Mr. Bisky, and then eventually Kenny's rolled out for the rest of the game. Um, I, I thought the same thing you that you were that maybe this is going to be like Tampa last year. Maybe we're going to to see a good form of Mitch Trubisky because he doesn't have Kenny breathing down his neck like he did as a starter. Maybe as a backup, the mental side of it is completely different and he operates better. And th- that wasn't the case. The offense was practically the same with Kenny on the field versus with Mitch on the field on, on Sunday. Um, you you mentioned the, the turnover that really killed the Steelers. He did have the one touchdown to George, which, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, g- good throw, but... I, overall, like Mitch Trubisky to me proved more so why he's Kenny's backup now than than anything in this game. Where while they're not necessarily Kenny's not heads up heads and tails like above Mitch Trubisky on a skill level at all. They're pra- they're practically like very similar, very similar players. But I, I feel like Kenny has the more mental side to the game down, and like you mentioned, like he just. It, it doesn't seem like he's going to make that mistake. And, and that's not to say that Kenny doesn't make mistakes. He's, he's made some bad mistakes in in this season. But I, I feel like that's one that he doesn't make. And then the, the pick at the end, that's ba- Hail Mary. That's, that's basically like a uh, throwaway punt, mm-hmm. if, if you yeah. will. Um, but, yeah, Mitch Trubisky coming into this game, I, I wouldn't say like I was necessarily – disappointed in his performance even though we did end up losing the game just because i'm like i don't know what else to expect from him to be completely honest i i, I, don't, I don't know that i expect much better i hope for for better i hoped that we could mm-hmm. see like we did in that tampa game in the 2022 season but i i don't really think that that should be like an expectation when he comes in so it it's like it's kind of yeah. like almost like it is what it is he's our backup quarterback he should be treated as such well, and that's true, and I think where it's fair to place the blame and have higher expectations than what we've been getting is the offensive line. And I want to address this on here because I put out a post that I feel like I have to. Uh, I might go down with a sinking ship tomorrow when the team takes the field if this isn't the case. But uh, I was told by somebody that has given me information in the past and ended up being correct. A lot of it was like pre-draft stuff uh, that Broderick Jones is going to be the starting right tackle tomorrow for the Pittsburgh Steelers this comes out of nowhere I mean last time that they practiced and it was the meet they didn't practice today right tackle right tackle I was just sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you I'm just like so you didn't even see my you didn't see what I put on x no idea this is is good because you're hearing it for the first time as well so um what I was told was Chooks is kind of in the doghouse right now and uh, Broderick Jones is going to play right tackle tomorrow against the Titans on Thursday Night Football. And, and I say that this comes out of nowhere because exactly how your reaction was just now, I think that would be the reaction of a lot of people. Like if you're putting Broderick Jones in the lineup, you'd think it would be at left tackle in place of Dan Moore. Um, I, I don't know exactly what caused this. I don't know if it's just completely a performance thing or what. Um, but again, this is somebody that's relayed information to me in the past. It's come true. I have no reason to believe that it's not. And the last time that they practiced with media there, it wasn't the case. 
So this is happening very short notice if it is uh, tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you guys are listening to this. Um, but it, I'm going with what I'm told here, and I have every reason to believe this person, I'm expecting Thursday Night Football tomorrow to see Dan Moore Jr., Isaac Samalo, Mason Cole, James Daniels, Broderick Jones. When is the last time that Jones has taken significant snaps on the right side of the line? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they did some stuff there in, in training camp. It hasn't happened in a game unless you want to consider him being on the right side of like a tackle eligible situation. Like he played like seven snaps or something last week as a tackle eligible or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, like he played more right tackle than left tackle in college. He only played the one year at left tackle in college. So, right. Maybe he ends this up is the being NFL. Better, that's the, that's the thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's and got he's, you know we we've talked about the the quality of opponent here. There for Tennessee, Harold Landry, who's their one like I would say closest to premier pass rusher. You know he's got like a five year, eighty five million dollar deal he's playing on right now. He's pretty solid. Um, is going to be rushing. He's rushes exclusively from that side. So you know, Broderick Jones, who had Jadavian Clowney a couple weeks ago and was really good against the Ravens. I would say from a pass rushing standpoint, this is a little bit harder test, maybe not as much against the run. Um, but but yeah, I mean, hey, welcome to the NFL, kid. Uh, this is a game to me where, you know, we, we can talk about the utilization of these tight ends too because Darnell Washington, to me, should probably play a little bit more in 12 personnel here. Right now, he's third third in the tight end pecking order, and that's without Pat Fryermuth, which is, which is crazy. But um, to finish up the conversation with, with the offensive line first, I, yeah, I mean, I'm glad actually that you didn't see my post and I, this could be fresh on your mind as I bring it up on here. But uh, but yeah, like as, as far as I'm concerned, don't know how we got here, but I think Broderick Jones is playing right tackle tomorrow. I think that's that is nuts. Um, not necessarily from a decision <laughs> perspective, just like like that's that's very surprising to me in this moment. It's but it's kind of blowing yeah. my mind that that would be the case. One because regardless of what he did in college. NFL is completely different. You can't just it, like if you played one side or the other in college, doesn't mean you're going to be able to do that in the NFL. We, we've seen that with several yeah. guys in this league. And you would think that if they're just going to naturally make that switch, that he would have had some more practice. I don't know, for example, at that, that position. Mm-hmm. The last time, like you said, last time he's really seen that a little bit is more so in training camp. From what I know, and you probably know more than I do, that really hasn't really happened throughout the season that, that he's taken snaps and practice on the right side of the, the line. So yeah. they're really just throwing him into the fire, not only just in a practice in the, in the position, in position perspective, but like on a short week, he doesn't get a lot of time to practice it. Like And like just what you mentioned where he's going against a, a good pass rusher, they're really throwing a lot at him in the, in this week, and this is listen. Two weeks ago, we were clamoring for him to stay in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm 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 excited to see him in the lineup, but that is also with the expectation that he was going to be playing left tackle. It'll be interesting if this is if this ends up being true and this ends up happening that he'll he'll be on the the right side. That would be a very interesting thing to have. I would be very curious to see how he plays out because. I mean, Dan Moore Jr. had a really good game against L.A., um, but then I think he, along with the the whole offensive line, like no, no one played well last week. Yeah. It's it's hard to really judge an individual player on that line because no one played well. So it'll be interesting I to see I did think what... Chooch was the worst out of them in that game. So maybe yeah. that 
Maybe the Steelers. Maybe, maybe like, that's why. Maybe that's why. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see not just how uh, how Broderick Jones reacts to this and, and plays, but also I think Dan Moore. Like, what does he look like? Left tackle removed from that that game against the Jaguars. Does he look more like what he did earlier in the season, when we're questioning why this guy is still in the lineup, or are we going to question? Um, are, are we going to see like what he was against LA and be like, okay, so he's he's somewhere in between. He's not he's not necessarily uh, as bad as we thought over on that side. But this is this is fascinating to me that, <laughs> that they're just Very. going to exp- basically experiment with this. That's that's essentially mm-hmm. what they're doing. I, so here's what I kept saying to people that were replying about it, because a lot of people were saying, you know, even if it's going to be these two, why is it not more on the right side? Moore has openly said he doesn't feel good over there. Like it's very unnatural for him and Broderick has felt more natural over there between the two of them. So I'm not surprised that if this is the tackle duo that they're going to be lined up in the two spots, they're going to be. I'm just surprised it's not Broderick on the left side with shoots on the right side, because as much as people think that they like Dan Moore and value him, you know, they look at the, the leash that they've had with Chooks and they, they trust him at least, you know, in terms of, of, of pass blocking, um, you know, I, but so it's going to be interesting for me uh, to see first off, does this actually come to fruition Two, is this what it's going to be like going forward? Like this is a move to me. I would think that it wouldn't happen this, like if they were ready to make this move, you'd think that they would bide their time, go into this game with the same offensive line they've rolled with, and then you got like a mini buy before the Packers come to town. That, to me, would be when you would try to make that switch. That's why, like like everybody, even though I'm the one that's heard this information, I'm, you know, I was blown away. I, I woke up to this text. It was sent to me at like 1.30 in the morning. So I wake up to this, and I'm like, you know, rubbing my eyes. I'm like, am I reading this correctly? And also for it being Chooks, not Dan Moore. So we will see if this comes to fruition on Thursday night. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get your take on the tight end stuff too, because I think that's really weird that, you know, Friar Muth goes down. We all expect, okay, it's Darnell Washington time. Let's see what we got in this third round pick. He's got three targets on the year, one reception, and he's not even playing. Like he's not even playing. Like even if you're not going to use him as a receiver, right? We knew that he's not the most refined route runner. That's not why you're drafting him. Um, but we expected him to play more as a blocker, you know, an extension of the offensive line. But he's playing both behind both Connor Hayward and Hot Rod, Rodney Williams, which is, again, you know, we're throwing the word fascinating around here on this episode tonight, um, which that is very fascinating to me. Why do you think this is? Do you think it's been just like a, a game-by-game basis? Is this something that could change in the very near future in your mind? Or do you think that they're just, you know, not really that high on what Washington is showing them right now in practice? Uh, it, it's really surprising to me if I'm just being completely honest. I, I think that the main thing that I thought Darnell Washington was going to be used for when we drafted him, he's not being used for. He's he is he was supposed to be an extension of the offensive line. Now, I don't know if that is because he has shown things to the coaching staff in practice that lead them to believe otherwise, or if they just aren't utilizing him and they just, they just don't want to use the offense that way. But it blows my mind that if you're going to have a tight end on the field in a run blocking situation, he's not the guy. If, if you have anyone else, it's how that's, bad the offensive the line's thing. been too. They're screaming for help. This is a guy that could help and he's not even on the field. I don't care if he gets a single target in a game. I would rather see him block in a game. <laughs> 
than than catch passes. If I'm completely honest, if I get one or the other, I would rather see this dude block because that's where I think, at least right now, his his best value is to this team. So the fact that they're not utilizing him in that way, not utilizing him in the offense really at all, is just very surprising to me because honestly, it, it would be more of a luxury if he was a good pass catcher along with the blocker that we know he was in college. And he, he don't get me wrong, he was, a, he was a decent pass catcher as well. But that's that's not what made him the, the great pick in my eyes. That's not like his pass catching ability really had nothing to do with why I thought he was a fantastic player and a fantastic pick. It had to do with what he could do with his hand in the dirt in those run blocky situations. That's what we thought whenever we we drafted him because we were saying basically all offseason, like Pat Fryermuth does not do anything for you in the run game when it comes to the blocking. This guy would be an amazing pick. He fell to our hands at pick 93, and they've done nothing with it. I think that's an underutilization of his skill set. Um, and I'm not trying to say that I'm smarter than the coaching staff. Obviously they know way more than I do. And they know, they know what the situation is with him. Like maybe there's just things in practice that happen that I don't see that I don't know, but this is just going off of, from what I saw from Darnell Washington at Georgia, from what we expected coming out of the draft, it just has been a disappointment of a season so far for him. And it's really not his fault because he hasn't been on the field. Yeah, I I agree with everything you just said. I, I think that it's very interesting that they're not using him at least as a blocker. And, you know, I mentioned this to Alan today, too. Not that they've been down there a whole lot, but, like, at the very least, if you're not going to use him as a receiver between the 20s, like, goal line, you know? Like, how how is he not an asset for you in goal? Look at in the preseason. What did he, he didn't play that much as a receiver in the preseason. He drew, like, three defensive pass interferences just because, you know, guys are hanging all over him when you throw him the football. I don't know. I, I think that there's a role there for him that they are not utilizing him in right now. And uh, I like Rodney Williams, too. Like, I think he's definitely an NFL player as well. But the fact that he's playing over Darnell, I, very surprising to me. I don't know what the answer is. Tomlin has kind of deflected questions about it. Alan said that the questions that he's been asked necessarily haven't been worded the best way because it gives Tomlin an out. You have to ask things a certain way in order for Tomlin to be like not be able to deflect them the way that he does. You know, he's a master at these press conferences of not answering anything unless you ask it basically the perfect way. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how this game goes. We'll see if there's any difference there in terms of the snap counts. Um, but I want to talk about the defensive stuff now because we lose Micah Fitzpatrick in this game. No, he's not going to play against the Titans. I'll be very surprised if he plays against the Packers. I'm not going to be shocked if we see an IR stint here just because we've seen two hamstring injuries so far for the Steelers this year. Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymuth, they both led to those players going on injured reserve. I hope that's not the case. I saw something from Jerry Dulac about the Steelers being optimistic that it wasn't quite as bad as either of those two were. So hopefully that's the case. But definitely no Titans would be surprised about the Packers. I won't speak beyond that. But man, <laughs> you know, the back end of this defense hasn't been good to begin with. Now you're taking Minka Fitzpatrick out of the equation. Um, you know, DeMonte KZ, Keanu Neal, they're including Miles Killebrew as part of this equation, which is surprising to me just because I don't view him as a safety. I would think Elijah Riley's more of a solution there. But I put this out on X as well. I think Patrick Peterson 
fills a lot more of the safety duties or you know what Minka was doing in terms of you know playing center field playing in the slot like I think Minka's duties on this defense are going to be filled more by Patrick Peterson than anybody else what's your thought on that well I think if you get the the benefit of moving him into those positions while also being able to play in zone that's probably the best case scenario for a guy like Patrick. Should Peter also mention that. Levi Wallace's health is going to be dependent on this because if he can't play, like you know, Peterson's got to play a lot more outside. So he's questionable or, for to tomorrow night or tonight, mm-hmm. whenever whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Um. So yeah that that would that would affect things a lot, but I I think that in the ideal scenario, Patrick Peterson would be a guy to move out there, and you'd want to run a lot of zone, and I think that. As long as he's not manned up on somebody and he doesn't need to basically be in a foot race with them, Patrick Peterson can be fine. It's just whenever he gets in those foot races with those people, that's when he gets exposed. So I think when utilizing him in that way would be would be a good option, especially when you look at the options that they have behind it. Um, Damonte Casey, Keanu Neal, like I, those aren't necessarily guys that I want taking over Minka's job full time. And in his absence, I'd rather do it by some sort of committee. Um, and, and utilizing your 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 players to the best of their abilities. Um, I, I, I think that that's the, the smarter way to approach it because I don't think you can really ask one of these individual players, even Patrick Peterson, I don't think you can ask him to basically just say, hey, replace Mika Fitzpatrick on the field. Go into his position and do the same things that he did. That's, that's obviously not going to happen. So I think that they're going to have some some more more coverages where you're going to see four or five defensive backs on the field just so they can cover more more space uh, honestly because I don't think when you when you have Minka on the field we've said it several times like he basically takes away half the field the third of the field whatever he's covering the quarterback is not necessarily looking in that direction without him on the field there's not a lot of guys in the secondary that are in that right now that are going to scare a quarterback especially in this game when it comes to a young quarterback will Levis getting his first start he doesn't know he knows doesn't know better to be afraid of anything especially when he's throwing the football so he he's getting his first first road start i think that he's going to have to learn that he can't do things i think it's smarter if the steelers are going to going to use these like five defensive back sets and and they they disguise their coverages that way because they have to make up for such a player that minka is they're not going to be able to do it with one guy yeah, I'm curious as to if they go when they go into dime, if it's still um three and three, like three safeties and three corners, or if they yeah. go four corners, two safeties, because if you're just giving your you're putting your best six defensive backs out there right now, I don't see how three of them are safeties. You know, you can you can use KZ and Neil. Who's the third guy? I mean, I like Elijah Riley, but I would say you should play um uh, Porter and Wallace probably on the outside. If Wallace is able to go, if not, it's James Pierre, and then Peterson and Shannon Sullivan inside. You know, I, I that's just. But again, you're getting into you know how much do we trust James Pierre on the outside? I trust James Pierre on the outside. That, that's what it comes down to. I trust James Pierre more on the outside in dime than I do going with a three safety look that includes Elijah Riley or Miles Killebrew. Let's be honest, Miles Killebrew. This isn't special teams. This is not yeah. your forte. But he played he played 16 defensive snaps after Minka one, which is crazy. He did. So, uh, is he is he part of this equation? Uh, and they've talked about him in practice. Terrell Austin said that he's, you know, he's played under him before. He was obviously in Detroit with him. And Mike Tomlin said he's been a starter in this league before. Uh 
granted it was four games total across two years and it was on a very bad lions team but yeah he's right that he has started games in the nfl at safety before i i, I just i don't know i mean if you let's talk about a positive in the secondary joey porter jr who is officially a starter you know injury aside just performance based here joey porter jr has overtaken levi wallace um and in coverage this year 14 targets three receptions allowed 32 yards allowed six yards after the catch i think that's a big one no touchdowns obviously the interception of lamar jackson and a 9.8 passer rating to put that into context if a quarterback just dropped back and threw the ball right into the dirt every single play they would have a 39.6 quarterback rating so there you go 30 points lower when you're throwing at joey porter jr what more could you ask for? I mean, this is as good of a start, I think, as you could have to an NFL career. Really excited about it. The film backs up the eye test. Uh, I feel really good. Obviously, we're, we're very young into his career here, but it's hard not to be excited. And uh, I think that this guy's only going to get better. So I feel pretty good about saying they got a good one. Yeah, thanks to the Chicago Bears for trading us a 32nd overall <laughs> pick. For, uh, we'll talk about them again in a second. But Yeah, yeah. For, for Chase Claypool. Uh, thank you for that pick. It turned into a great one, at least so far, and what seems to be a great pick for the Steelers. I, I, I think that Joey Porter Jr. has been impressive. I think he's gotten better as the season has been went on. Um, and I, I, I think that we are getting pretty much everything that we we wanted as advertised for what the guy that we were expecting to pick at, with the 32nd overall pick. I, I have been impressed with him. Especially, and you mentioned it, six yards after the catch. I, I think that that's yeah. that's impressive too, because there was questioning with some of his tackling. I I I, th- I think that that's a part of his game that he needed to work on. Clearly, that he's focused on it, and there's still so much more that he can improve too. That's the exciting part to me is that we're we're excited about this guy and he's in there. But like, imagine how good he can be, and he's only just what six or seven games into his NFL career. I I, I think that. The sky's the limit for him. Um, obviously, legacy kid, so it's exciting to see it in a Steeler uniform. But he's been everything that the Steelers have wanted from that pick and everything they wanted from this player in that secondary. And I think it's it's rightfully so that he's a starter now. And th- that's also – it wasn't an indictment a little bit towards Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson just because of the poor play of them. But I think regardless of how they were playing, I still think that he would have played into a starting role. I just think he's that good. Yeah, you know, that that's an interesting conversation is how much did the other did Levi Wallace give up the job as opposed to Joey Porter Jr. taking it? Um, I do know uh we haven't talked about this. I will bring it up on here. Uh Levi Wall they were trying to trade Levi Wallace hundred percent yesterday. Uh limited participant at practice. I don't know if people saw that he put the eye emojis out there. I was told by somebody they thought they had a different deal done and they were going to trade Levi Wallace in a separate deal. Um, that other deal, and this is why I said about the Bears, they they thought they were getting Jalen Johnson from the Bears. They thought that they could make it work for a third-round pick. The Bears and them had been going back and forth. I, I, I put up a screenshot yesterday that I was texting with somebody that I know that covers the Bears. They told me, you know, this conversation started a while ago. The Steelers have been interested in Jalen Johnson for some time. It seemed like at one point Jalen Johnson and the Bears were getting an extension done, so those talks had kind of cooled off. When I woke up yesterday and saw Jalen Johnson requested a trade and they were letting his agent seek something, I was like, oh, the Steelers are going to 100% be on this. They were one of the four teams that were in contact with them. Bears were looking for a second-round pick. Khan not willing to budge. The highest he would go is a third. Um, so they didn't get anything done. And, you know, I can't really 
bash Omar for that. I would have been okay with a second if an extension was already agreed upon. That's the thing is Jalen Johnson is a free agent after this season. So anything, I think anybody acquiring him for anything more than like a third has to be guaranteed that they're getting an extension done with him. Um, I, I expect the Steelers are going to circle back on this one, though. I, I don't think that it's a guarantee that Jalen Johnson gets extended in Chicago. I'm not 100% certain how that relationship's going to work out the rest of this season. But uh, if he hits free agency, I know that we we look at the Steelers and don't think of them as big spenders in free agency. I think this is one that could break the mold here. You know, there's, there's pre-draft interest going back to 2020 when he was coming out of Utah. Uh, they met with him at the Combine. Um, and now this, where they were, were trying to get him for a couple months now and thought that they were close to landing him. Going along with that, if they could have gotten him, Levi Wallace was going to be sent to his old team. And when that obviously kind of broke down, Buffalo pivoted, made a trade with Green Bay for Russell Douglas for a third rounder. They got a fifth back in the deal as well. So that's kind of, it's, it's interesting to see how these things play out. It's kind of a trickle effect. You know, Buffalo ends up with Rasul Douglas. Chicago ends up keeping Jalen Johnson. Pittsburgh ends up keeping Levi Wallace. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the secondary shakes out the rest of this season. But um, for anybody that, you know, was kind of on the Steelers for not making any moves, they they were close. They were very close on this discussion. Was there any moves besides this that you thought they could make? Or would Uh, look into it? I was... I thought maybe they would sniff around the pass catching market. I think uh, maybe they would have been interested in like a Hunter Renfro, but I don't know if you saw that. Like, obviously, McDaniels and uh, Dave Ziegler were both fired. P- somebody put out there that the Raiders literally weren't answering calls yesterday. Like, they weren't answering their phones. Teams tried to call them about their players, and they weren't answering their phones. That's so who knows? Funny. Maybe the maybe this. Oh, and along with the uh, with Jalen Johnson, apparently Pittsburgh was interested in Darnell Mooney. I didn't hear anything about that specifically from the person that I was talking to. But, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, if you're already talking to them about a different player, you know, might as well kick the tires on somebody else you think might be available. And I think he would have been a welcomed addition as well for this team. I think they could have used another pass catcher. I I think that their focus was primarily on Jalen Johnson, though. And it's because, again, it's been interest for a while and i think that they felt like they were close i like because Russell douglas could have made sense for them too i just think they were so locked in on trying to get one deal done with this specific player that they were kind of tunnel vision uh on this guy yeah and i can't imagine that um going forward that the secondary is going to be much of the same going into next season especially at corner I, yeah. I, I feel like Patrick Peterson, I feel like the Steelers pro- will probably move on from that. Um, Levi Wallace, I feel like there's, they could move on from that. And so they're going to leave. Look, Joey, right? I mean. Yeah. They, they, gonna they, there's going to be some shakeup in that cornerback room. It would make sense, and you mentioned it too, that the Steelers could circle back to this in free agency in the offseason. So you never know. But I don't expect that you're, you're going to get all of your corners from a draft. So they're going to have to go into free yeah. agency and do something. Um, so that'd be interesting, but yeah, Steelers don't do anything at the trade deadline. Uh, this is not really surprising for me. Um, just to give my take on it. I, I, I thought that there could be talks and obviously there was with the Jalen Johnson trade, but I, it doesn't really surprise me too much, um, that there wasn't a lot because at the end of the day, there's not a lot of positions where you look at it. It's like, you need to make a trade. A lot of it is just the Steelers need to figure their crap out on the field more so than they, 
they they need well, to actually improve at the position. There wasn't a lot of activity around the league. You know, I, I think when we saw Washington trade Montez Sweat and Chase Young, I thought we were in for a really active day. It just didn't happen. Like, not a lot of people got traded. So, I, you know, the NFL trade deadline, there's not typically like a ton of activity, but I even felt like yesterday was slow in comparison to like what we expected. I mean, the, the Broncos didn't trade anybody. You know, they were report like we knew Sertan wasn't going anywhere, but Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Justin Simmons, like those guys all could have been on the move. We thought it's because um, they beat the Chiefs and they're back. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they are trying to go. Who knows with that additional playoff spot now, seven instead of six, maybe there are more teams that are trying. Um, Minnesota's obviously in a much different position than they thought, although they did lose Kirk Cousins. They actually buy Josh Dobbs, you know, in a pick swap, friend of the show. Um, so there's just, it didn't seem like there were a lot of players to be had. So other than Washington's two big moves with Chase Young going to San Fran, LOL. My God. And Montez Sweat going to Chicago. Who knows what they're doing there? Giving up probably a top 40 pick for Montez Sweat, who's a good, not great player and needs paid. Um, it, they, there wasn't a lot of activity. So I, I just don't think there were a ton of moves to be had, which again, I think is why the Steelers were so focused on getting one single move done. And unfortunately it couldn't, it didn't come to fruition. Yep. Unfortunately it didn't. Um, but anyways, I, th- I think that we could start probably start talking about the Titans now. I don't really have anything yeah. else about this past yeah. game. Um, Titans. It, it, I don't know what to make. How of this pumped game. are you specifically for this one? Because oh, I'm excited you, for this one because you haven't I, been to a game since what Monday Night Football in Cincinnati, or was that the last? Yeah, game? which was 2019. Yep. Yeah, I haven't been to a Steelers game in four years. Um, so I'm pumped for this one. I'm excited. I'll be in attendance. Cam Hayward is not the only 300 plus pound man going back <laughs> to Heinz Field after a while. Uh, so I, yeah. I I am excited to be in attendance with the boys tomorrow night as as of recording this a lot of you might listen to this tomorrow but i will be back home in pittsburgh conveniently for me um the steelers are playing on thursday night football the same weekend that byu is playing in morgantown so and and also the beaver bobcats have round one of the playoffs on friday night so it's just a football packed weekend for me um but but i am super excited for this one i i think that do we know what they're going to wear by the way in the regular homes yeah from what i'm hearing uh color rush is going to be december 7th against the pats thursday night football they're in production right now which is why i thought maybe we would get a chance to see him uh this thursday night but i guess that does take i was at that titans game where they wore them and they they smoked the titans yeah yeah me too yeah i i wish they would have repeated that That was the ab game i mean there was a lot of that was the that was the you know football on the helmet football on the helmet yep <laughs> no yeah that that was that was a that was a fun one um but yeah i'm i'm super excited to get back home this is my first this is the longest that i've been away from pittsburgh in like a, a in the totality in my life so i i moved away from pittsburgh um in september of 2021 but then i was home again for my wedding reception in may of 22 and I haven't been home since then. So it's been almost a year and a half since I've been home in Pittsburgh, which is the longest I've been away from Pittsburgh in my life. I'm ready to be back. I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited for this football game. But as I was saying, when I was talking about it, I was like, I don't really know what to make of this football game as far as 
just on the plain surface level of who I think is going to win. I think it's two pretty mediocre football teams playing each other. And especially the the one, it, it has some more juice to it, though. Obviously, the Steelers are playing at home, but the the, the Titans, they're playing their rookie quarterback who, who's coming mm-hmm. off a good game um, in, in his debut. And so there's a there's a there's a different juice to it than I than I think that would normally happen when two mediocre teams are playing against each other. And so I'm excited about that. ESPN gives it a 50 Steelers are 50.1% favored. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're literally saying that this is a 50 yeah. 50 split. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it though. I, I, I think it's a good test for the defense in the run game. Uh, see how they, they, they stop the run football. And I'm also think it's a good test for the defense in, in terms of how are they going to go against a, are they going to stop a number one receiver? Which I mean, the number one receiver is DeAndre Hopkins even playing in this game. It's that's going to be interesting. Uh, questionable with a toe on a short week. I just because like I would rather be safe than sorry. I'm like you got to assume that he plays. I think and just be like pleasantly surprised if he doesn't. I mean, if he doesn't, their pass catchers are awful. Traylon Burks is not. Traylon Burks is your number right? one probably after yeah, that. Nick, Nick Westbrook Akeen is the other one. You know that's he's okay. Like he's not. You, you just know, made up that name. And then they got Chigakonkwo, the tight end. So that I, I might have made up that one too. Chigosium. If, 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 if I didn't know anything about football, I would say those are made up players. <laughs> you did not. You did not make those. Yeah, two. Or, yeah. Those are those are real players. But yeah, it, the 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 absolute atrocious receiving room of the Titans. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see if the Steelers can prevent someone having a big game. Because I mean, granted, I don't think that necessarily anybody on the Jags had like a super big game but like I I still think like a guy like Evan Ingram, Evan got Ingram was the 10 one. for what like almost 90 ish 88 or something 88. Yeah. yeah so it just seems like it is something in the Steelers blood this year that there's going to be one guy that has been killing them all game and I think this is the game that they could finally break it it's just that they have to stop like Derrick Henry on the other end um who right we want to talk about trade deadline yeah, why are the, were, why are the Titans holding on to him? Well, and, and DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you wonder how much that one result, getting that win and Will Levis's first start, um, you know, changed things for them. Did it really impact them to the point where they completely changed their trade deadline plans? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree. Like, I think that they probably should have. I, I they should have one hundred percent traded Derrick Henry. Um. Because you got a really good back in Tajay Spears behind him, who is going to be the guy whenever it is inevitably that Derrick Henry does move on. And I would have traded DeAndre Hopkins too. I, I don't think that Tennessee is even close to where they need to be to compete. You know, cool. You beat Atlanta um, on a, a performance from Will Levis that I think highlighted his strengths in terms of obviously ridiculous arm. I don't think anybody was questioning that. But if you go back and watch those plays, that's about. 75% DeAndre Hopkins and 25% Will Levis, those three touchdowns. You know, the individual effort on those was insane from DeAndre Hopkins. So to your point, you know, are they going to be able to keep a lid on those big plays from him? Uh, Will Levis is certainly going to stretch the field with that arm. And like you mentioned, being a rookie, like he's, for lack of a better word, like he's probably going to play pretty stupidly, which is going to be good or bad. You know, you got to make that to his detriment, the fact that he doesn't, 
he hasn't seen a lot of defenses yet, and he doesn't know better to this point. So somebody in that defense should be able to get theirs against him. But we're talking about the passing game so much. They're going to key in on this run game. You know, that is what they want to shut down first and foremost. They're going to test Levis and make him make plays. Uh, getting Cam Hayward back will be big. Um, we'll see if it's on a pitch count or what. I would imagine it's not going to be, you know, in his normal workload that we typically would see. But I think just his presence on the field is going to elevate everybody. I'll tell you what I'm expecting, you know, and he's played well this year, so maybe it's not like making that bold of a prediction. I think Keanu Benton has a really good game. And because it's going to be in prime time, the only game that's taking place on Thursday night, I think he's going to start getting a lot more attention nationally uh, after the game that he has on Thursday night. That's what I'm calling on defense. Uh, you mentioned the run game. Steelers mm-hmm. still need to key in on the run game um, when it comes to the defensive side of the football. They are 27th in the NFL with rushing hey, yards allowed per they game. improved after Jacksonville. Yeah, they improved. I'll be honest. They were giving up 140 on the ground per game. Held Travis Etienne to around 80. You know, obviously he had the it's big now down to 137. Game. Yeah. He had the big play in the passing game, but I didn't think that they were that bad against the run on Sunday. And now you're getting Cam back. You're getting Cam back. Landon Roberts. He's another one I think is going to be big in this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the defense handles it because uh, they, they've been pretty good at home. Um, I, I I think that the, Will Levis is going to be, uh, like like we said, he's not really used to the NFL yet. He doesn't know better. So I think he's going to make some mistakes. I feel like a lot of the times the Steelers take advantage of playing rookie quarterbacks um, and, and, and capitalize on some of those mistakes. The real question is, despite the Titans defense, throw the Titans defense out the window. Mm-hmm. Will the Steelers offense be able to execute properly to move the ball, regardless of whatever defense they're playing up against? Because I'm not confident yeah. that they'd be able to move the ball on the worst defense in the NFL right now. Right. And like, when you look at personnel wise, just across the board, this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL and especially one of the worst ones on their schedule. So, you know, I, Alan and I have been talking about this too. We can't keep calling it that this offense is going to have like a breakout. I don't even know what the, what a breakout looks like for this offense, but it's like the plays once again should be there. Are they going to make them this time? That's going to be the question. Um, the offensive line, you know, should, Jeffrey Simmons is a really good player uh, on the inside of that Titans defensive line. Danico Autry is a pretty solid player too. He's got five sacks on the year. I think that's more of a product of people focusing their attention to Jeffrey Simmons, but man, in the secondary, I, especially after trading away Kevin Byard to Philly, like there's going to be plays there to be made. Their wide, the Steelers wide receivers should have advantages with their matchups. Pass catching running back like Jalen Warren should be able to to do some damage in the pass game too. I don't know. I this should be a game in my opinion that the Steelers win. Uh, predictively, I do think they win. I think we're looking at something like 24 to 18 Steelers in this one. Um, yes, I'm predicting them to score over 20 again. We'll see if it comes true this time. But, you know, it's going to happen at some point where the plays are there and the players make them. Like, I, they can't get on the same page. Uh, I'll predictively say this is the week that they do. They'll make some plays. Deontay Johnson gets a touchdown. There it is. There's my offensive one. There it is. Um, I think that I'm going to go with a win as well. Honestly, I, I, I feel it in my bones because I'm going to be in the stadium more, more than it. And, and most people don't know this. I am undefeated in Heinz field slash wow. stadium. Actually, I have yeah. never been to extra stadium. I've only been to Heinz field. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time in this stadium. 
kind of. And I'm I. This may also come as a shock. I've never been to a, a football game on a Sunday when it comes to the NFL. I've only been mm. to five Steeler games in my entire life. All of them have been wins. So I am not looking to change yeah. that tomorrow night. I am predicting a win. I'm predicting that the Steelers offense is going to look mediocre-ish still, but they are going to do enough to get done. I think the Steelers' defense is going to what is going to be the key in this game. I think they're going to because that's how they operate, right? That's how this team has to operate. That's how they've had to operate for the past, I don't know, five seasons. That the Steelers' defense is really is what going to keep you in the games and even sometimes win you the game. So that's not going to change this week. That's going to be this case on on Sunday or Thursday night, excuse me. And the Steelers are going to win twenty four to seventeen. Uh, oh wait, twenty four to seven. Okay, so I said twenty four eighteen. Allen said twenty three seventeen. And you're you see so you took one one of my scores and one of his. I, I like it. I like it. Um, here's some numbers for us. A little bit of hopium here. Steelers five and one in prime time since Kenny Pickett became the starting quarterback over the last six seasons. The Steelers are 16, five and one in November. Good for third in the NFL, only behind Kansas City in New England. There you go. There you go. I mean, every everybody loves some obscure stats. I was yep. I'm, I'm, on my BYU podcast, Sports Weekly. Shout out. Uh, by the there way, Shout out. Sh- shameless plug. I was giving obscure stats for that game. I'm like, what is Kalani Sataki's record on FS1? What is what is what is their record? What is their record whenever they have played in that time zone at 7 p.m. or it's 7 p.m. Eastern, regardless of whatever time zone it's in? Yeah, I was I was looking for all sorts of hopium in that one. So uh, I, I'm doing the exact same thing. Also, I think that you want, you want another prediction. Najee Harris is going to break 100 yards rushing in this game. Wow. There okay. you go. I like it. I like it. I think it needs to happen at some point, right? So no better time than this one. Get everybody's uh, hopium. We've been using that word. Get everybody's hopium off the charts on this mini buy before Green Bay comes to town as well. I think these next two games are pretty much must win for this team if we want to be feeling good the rest of the way before you yeah, go. I'll, t- their, I'll tell you uh, what. Five and three feels way better than four and four after this game. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you got the Packers who the Packers are spiraling in their own right too. So, you know, you don't want to look ahead, but if you got, if you're able to get those two before going into your trip to Ohio back-to-back weeks with Cleveland, Cincinnati, I don't know, you know, again, don't look ahead. Just worry about the Titans on Thursday night. We will both be in attendance. Um, like Tyler said at the beginning, check out the description of this show where you can find year six of rocking around the four, one, two, a little over a month to donate which is crazy to say, but we're already getting to that time of year. Once football season starts, the rest of the year kind of goes by like that. So check that out. Every single penny that is donated goes directly to supporting families at Christmas time, the children of those families specifically, uh, to buy them all the gifts they could want. That includes makeup. Even if Tyler and I have to buy it ourselves, we've done it before. We will do it again, uh, along with directly helping families in our area. We also partnered up last year with the East Rochester Salvation Army for their angel tree that they do every year. We're doing it in the name of our late friend Dalton Keen, his girlfriend Kaylee, their daughter Isla have been helping us out with that as well. And they've been great in doing so. Super excited uh, to have them as part of this mission, you know, now and going forward. So donate, share, do all that stuff. Link is right below. Or if you follow us on X, 
It is our pinned tweet. Anybody that donates at least $10 will be eligible to win a bunch of prizes. Penguin tickets, Eric Carlson jersey, Joey Porter Jr. jersey. We'll have some other stuff along the way as well. We'll, guys, we'll keep you guys in the loop on what that might be. Uh, other than that, also check out Haley Wagner, our friend. Everything Custom Designs, Facebook, Etsy, both down below. Get some custom, I don't know. You know what's actually big in my family is every year on Thanksgiving, my mom got us a new pair of pajamas to wear for whatever reason. I don't know why it was like a Thanksgiving thing. Get some custom pajamas. Give them to your kids on Thanksgiving to be able to wear. Um, don't know why that was a tradition in my house, but it was growing up. So let's pass it along to some other families. Be like the Smiths. That was my tradition um, on Christmas Eve. Was it? Okay. Yeah. That was, we got to open them one gift on Christmas Eve, and it was a pair of pajamas. So we opened up one one thing on Christmas Eve as well, but it wasn't. The pajamas were on Thanksgiving. Christmas Eve was just something that like we didn't pick out ourselves and knew we were getting. So something like completely random. But anyways uh yes yeah, so do that or just like a custom hoodie custom stocking for christmas a bunch of other stuff just not one of these bad boys can't get any hats from her she doesn't have the machine yet maybe it will happen in the future i don't know you can hassle her maybe if her sales increase she'll be able to afford the machine there you go yeah there you go that's the way to do it so you know give her your money we got some custom stuff from her you should too but other than that for tyler for smitty this has been the around the 412 Steelers show go check out another video popping up right now and we'll see you guys next time bye bye <laughs>